welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Agustinelli. Got a good one for you today, one I uh, personally enjoyed. Um, Adam Koloff is on the program uh, today, and Adam's got a cool journey. He, uh, phenomenal athlete. Um, in fact, a few people from my network mentioned Adam. Um, was a guy who could dunk a basketball in high school, and uh, he's not, um, and he's not six six. So, um, but uh, really, we talked. Um, he's a guy who pursued his dreams in pro golf. Uh, led him to a teaching career, and now he's an entrepreneur. Uh, we talked about uh, parenting, mentorship, um, the role of parents today in youth sports, and uh, and the suggestions he has for them, as well as uh, kind of all of the common battles that a small business has together. So hope you enjoyed it. As always, the podcast is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.davisco's.com, uh, Davis is helping a lot of folks right now through the pandemic uh, manage their contingent workforces and um, and doing so with tact, but also con- continually keeping folks engaged. So if you need any uh, help with just suggestions or how we're helping our clients handle it, don't hesitate to reach out to myself or the folks at Davis, www.davisgoes.com. And without further ado, I really hope you enjoy the podcast. So uh, here, let's, let's, let's fire through. Well, first of all, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you coming on. I know it's uh, you're a busy man as an entrepreneur running your own business, and uh, you got a young family too. So appreciate you carving out some time. Yeah, no problem at all. Happy to jump on here. Awesome. And I, you know, I'm really excited about your story too because um, as a guy who I, I'm going to tell, I'm going to say I was probably an above average athlete in high school and got to play a little college lacrosse. I think the dream of anyone who plays. Um, sports and it's competitive growing up is how do you keep doing it after and uh i think you, your your story is pretty cool in that way because uh i'm sure it came with a lot of competition and intensity but just pretty cool to uh, have pulled that off so um i got a couple rapid fire questions normally this is beers and careers due to the pandemic you and i are sneaking this in during some nap times of your children and i think mine exactly um, so we're doing coffee and water in careers. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I already had a, a coffee, so cheers. Yeah, that's all right. Cheers. Yeah. I know. I didn't want you too jittery on this thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we get up pretty early now. So that's yeah, right. right. That's right thing. away. Need that right away. Uh, when you are imbibing, what's your favorite cocktail or drink? Uh, you know, to be honest, I haven't been drinking much lately, but. You know, it's a good glass of red. I guess that makes me sound pretty old. No, I'm and, in. Uh, yeah, yeah, red wine, Cabernet. That's yeah. what I'm all about. I love it. That's been the uh, that's been the pandemic uh, alcohol choice in our family. Oh, uh, there you go. Well, some red wine with dinner. So I love that. Uh, what about your favorite curse word? Uh, what the fuck? Yeah, right. I think. Fuck tends to be a is a perennial all favorite, so I might have to switch that question up because that's the only answer. That's what everybody says. Uh eighty percent, eighty-five percent, which is good. But I think it it's totally cool. Do you, are you into are you like a guy who's into quotes at all? You got a favorite quote? Uh yeah, I mean, let's see. There's one you have like uh the famous quote, everything happens for a reason. Right. Then somebody said there's a reason things happen. Mm. It's kind of cool. It's a little flip on that quote. Yeah. But I like it because it just it explains how, like, you can make things happen. Yes. Yeah. So you're in control. Exactly. Yeah. 
It's not like things are happening. It's like, no, you're making things happen. Yeah. So um, your, uh, that quote is timely during what we're doing, experiencing now too. Right. It's certainly timely. Um, anything, anything about your daily routine people would find weird? Uh, yeah, let's see. I don't take showers in the morning. It's usually in the evening. I don't know if that's weird. Yeah. Uh, well, you must, you must work up a sweat many times during the day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on my feet all day. Yeah. I come home and my wife's like, your feet stink. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know how this works. I guess when you're standing all day, <laughs> for some reason, my feet stink. So it's too good. That's too shower, good. Shower at night only. Now, do you mind um, do you mind walking people through maybe uh, from like up? You played golf in college. Um, that I know you from like I know you from a buddy that we connected uh, through. Actually, Brendan Davis, our president. Obviously, you guys went to oh, yeah. uh, no way back high school together, and now uh, one of the places I play golf. I know you're you're tight with uh, Jameis. So yeah, it's funny how how. Circles can be small, but how can you maybe walk people through from uh, in high school? You knew you wanted to play golf. You ended up playing golf in college. But then after college, maybe give us like the Reader's Digest version of, of how you made the jump into eventually starting your own uh, company, Pure Drive Golf. Yeah, sure. So I played uh, as a junior before high school was I, I jumped into competitive junior events right away. And it went well for me. I was an athlete, so golf came easy for me. Uh, went to high school, played on the team, did really well. Uh, played in college, got recruited, played in college. I was doing fairly well in college. Um, and then I knew I was going to turn pro. My game was progressing. I felt like I was ready. Uh, so after college, um, just got on a few mini tours and did okay when I first came out. Actually, I, I would I would say that it, uh, not as not nearly as I, uh, good as I wanted to, um, because it's really difficult when you play on the mini tours. You have to play. You have to put together like three or four excellent rounds in a row. Hmm. So I'd go out there and shoot a sixty-eight, and I'd be you know feeling good about that number. But then I'd follow it up with like a 73, 75. And if you do something like that, you're just you're out of the mix right away. So the consistency wasn't quite there and I needed to, I wish I learned how to practice better back then. Mm. Now I know really well what to do, how to practice, what's the mindset, how do you prepare for tournaments? Back then I didn't really know anything to be honest. So I was just kind of winging it and I was doing well, but really not that well. So after a few years playing, grinding and just not making a lot of money, I started teaching on the side, just trying to make some money, to be honest. Okay. People knew that I was a good player, so I would go out and just give them tips, kind of informal golf lessons. Yeah. And I, that went pretty well. I'd start to get a lot of phone calls from people. And then I just got me thinking, like, okay, I, you know, I like this. I'm making some money doing this. This is fun for me. People are getting better. I'm just going to, you know – do this more, try to get hooked up with a golf course, a golf club and see if I can turn this into a full-time gig, but still play on the side. Yeah. So long story short, worked a couple jobs. And then I, I started working for Jim McLean down in Miami, who was a 
top teacher, has several golf schools around the country. So that was kind of the the launching pad for for the career as a teacher. Uh, is he like? I know Jim McLean from you actually, because because of the stuff you've tagged him in, and now I follow him on social media and have looked up. I realize he's got a couple of golf schools. It appears to me like he's like a top ten golf teacher in the world, kind of. I don't know if I should say ever, but currently, like he yeah. seems to be like the pinnacle, or certainly very close to the top. Yeah, I mean, he was more well known back in the day. I mean, he still is now. And if you look at all the rankings, like Golf Digest has a ranking, Golf Magazine, uh, he was like in the top three for, you know, decades. And okay. It's cool because he kind of set the standard for how top teachers uh, instruct, how people build golf schools, how they train other teachers. So um, I worked under him for a few years, and that was amazing because you learn so much about the game. Um and so he's taught me so much, not only as a teacher, but also as a business owner. Mm. I think that was one of the biggest um, eye-opening. I didn't really know it at the time, to be honest, how we ran the business and how helpful it would have been. I just was learning, absorbing as much as I could as a teacher. But once I started Pure Drive Golf, then it was like, oh, wow, you know, all those lessons I learned from Jim, they're really paying off now as a business owner. Mm. Uh, Cause he just was so focused, he, you know, that he was attention to detail was big, um, for him, customer service, uh, those little things, uh, they're so important to running a business. So, you know, and he not only uh, taught me to be a better teacher, but definitely also as like an entrepreneur. Yes. He become your, almost your mentor in, in this, uh, endeavor. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I still stay in touch with him like, you know, every week if not daily, just texting back and forth. Mm. He thinks it's really cool what I'm up to. Um, so we talk about, you know, tour players, business, teaching, yeah. just anything golf, uh, you know, what's going on in the news, like right now, how is golf going to evolve from where we are right now? Just cool stuff. It's it's always cool to, to get his perspective because he's been in the game for decades. You know, this guy's this guy is so knowledgeable. And he has so much experience, so he's always a great resource. Mm, that's very cool. How, I gotta ask you: when you were um, in college, how did you how did you know to make a like a go for the mini tour thing? Like, was that just like you being kind of young and ignorant, being like, "I'm doing this no matter what," or was there like a were you doing well enough in tournaments where you're like, oh, I, I'm, I know I'm capable of playing," or I just like take me through that thought process because that's that's it. That's a leap, right? That's the that's that's a lot of people's dreams, but that's a leap. For sure. So golf came easy to me. And part of it was like, I'm ignorant. I'm gonna jump into this. I I, I want to try. Um and I knew amen. It, amen to that. Absolutely. If I was, you know, 40 years old and let and even if I didn't have this business, let's say I'm working in the corporate world, I would be so mad if I hadn't tried. Yes. Yeah. Right. So I knew like, all right, I got a good game. I think I can do this. I'm playing on a D1 team. I've had all these wins as a junior in college. I have a good resume. Um, so I'm going to be, I, I'm jumping in. I'm going to give this a try, even if it doesn't work out. Wow. So yeah, that's why I just, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And 
it didn't work out, but it's all good because now it's helped me morph into the, the, the position where I'm at now, which is great. You know, yes. it's yeah. fun. It's exciting. It's, I'm still in the game of golf. So, you know, that's, for sure it's, no, that's pretty cool. Did you, do you, is that how you are wired? Is that like, is Adam Koloff always been like, I mean, that's kind of like that whole deathbed mentality. It's like, well, I don't want to be regretting never giving this a go. When I look back on my life, is that something like your parents instilled in you? Or is that how you're wired? Where does that come from? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I just, I was so determined to, to do something in sports, I guess. Mm. You know, I wasn't the best student. Okay, so... <laughs> I did okay in school, but in, when it came to sports, I was so focused no matter what I was doing. Yes. Like I was playing, you know, basketball, uh, soccer, baseball, um, all those sports I did well, you know, and I was so, com- I, I love the competitiveness no matter what sport I was playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think my parents, it's hard to say if they really, uh, if they, helped me in that sense but i think they did i mean one thing about my father was he was so committed to his work you know he was such a good businessman um and i was just always looked up to him how how focused he was in his work how successful he's been um and i guess that just uh, inspired me to to stay focused in what i was doing yeah. No matter what it was, you know, I think my dad taught me some really good values that, you know, I think that's what, what really motivated, motivated me to, mm. to do this career. No, that's interesting. I, I, I find the topic of that interesting as new parents ourselves, right? We got young kids. Like I find it interesting. Um, I feel the same way about my dad, but there's no like moments of like conversations he had with me that were like, ahas. It's like the totality of of yeah. watching someone and them being just a true role model. You, you learn so much about that. And I just, uh, I constantly, not constantly, but often I ask myself like, all right, what are my kids learning from me behavior wise, as opposed to, you know, the things I'm just telling them. Yeah. That's a cool comment because it's so true. You, when you look back, you know, you can see more clearly what your father did growing yeah. up when you were growing up. And it really does have a huge impact on you. Not then, right? But yes. now, now when you got kids, you're like, whoa, shit, my dad, you know, did all this for the family. He didn't, he didn't sit down and like tell you all this knowledge about how he did it. You know, there were moments where he did tell you some important things, but it was really by action, mm. what he was doing, um, how he behaved. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. And, and also the mentor piece of having someone like a Jim who's like a father like figure, but in a, in the world that you chose. Right. Is a, is a cool uh, yeah. kind of a cool parallel that way. Yeah, Jim was. Yeah, exactly. Like I my dad couldn't really provide the guidance in, in the world of golf. I mean, right. he's the reason I got into golf. He would play every weekend as I'm growing up. And I remember thinking, where's dad? You know, it's Saturday morning. Where's dad? What's he doing? And my mom would always tell me he's golfing. So when I got to 11 or 12 years old, I decided, okay, I want to go play golf. Yeah. Yes. I think looking back on that, it was cool that 
my dad was never like, oh, you're going to go to the golf course. Yes. You're going to practice for two hours. I'm going to stand yeah. by you and watch you and critique your swing, which is what parents do that oh. right now. And I have to deal with that when I teach kids and their parents are sitting there in the lesson and they're trying to inject their thoughts and their opinions. Then I have to be like, all right, just relax. I got this. You know, I can, yes. I can deal with this lesson. So, so you, got, got, you kind of got to just smoke that out right away, right? That's got to be the most awkward conversation to a parent who's paying yeah. pretty, pretty good money to have you coach. But you like, look, man, you hired me to be the master. Exactly. Yeah. So they're coming to me. They're paying me. So I'm going to give them, you know, my best. And I'm going to instruct this this kid. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Like this one guy, he just sitting in the back and he would just, you know, keep commenting like every five minutes like and just like trying to coach his son you know like and and even say things that are different than what i'm saying and i'm like getting so fired up and then eventually after like the second lesson i'm like listen you can't be here for the first 45 45 minutes yeah for like an hour lesson you can come in at the last 15 minutes you can watch and then you and i can talk at the end of the lesson and i'll tell you exactly what i worked on with your son but you just can't be here. And then there's another family that will just stay there. And that's fine. They can be in the lesson if they want. But at the beginning, they would just talk so much. They couldn't yeah. stop talking and, and saying things. I just had to tell them, no, just just chill out. Don't don't say anything. You can sit here. They're more patient. They're, they're more quiet during the lesson, which is great. But so they've learned how to, you know, be more hands off, I guess, during during a lesson. You have to. It's crazy. I mean, I, I grew up playing hockey, which had oh, that yeah. whole, like, you know. Parents, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole the whole parent thing. And um, Well, you know what is really bad is if you have a parent who's really thinking about the future in terms of getting them a scholarship. Yes. Because then it's like dollar signs is in their head. Then it's like really pushing them. Um, and it's not really because they just want them to succeed at something. Right. It's more like, oh, I got to save money on college. Right. So push my kid and then it gets really it gets messy. Cool. It's almost it's it's almost like the um I mean obviously Tiger Woods is probably uh, I mean he's ubiquitous, everyone knows of Tiger, but like I almost wish the Tiger story didn't have the part of Earl being such a grueling coach. You know, because it's like it's almost like that paved some of the way and made it cool to be kind of like the, the dad that or the mom that's pushing your kids. And um, when you said to me, your dad never forced you to play golf. Yeah. Even when you and I were kicking it off, it's like, I don't care if my kid plays golf, but I, I or if he's good at it, but I just want him to like it because I want to do it with him in the future. Yeah. And I had the same parenting experience where um, both of my parents were, uh, they came from families that played sports, but I was the one that was like, hey, Dad, can I go play hockey? Can I try lacrosse? Can I try soccer? And they were great. And the only critique I used to get in the car ride home from hockey was, did you try your best? Right? And then, and there were definitely days when I dogged it, right? Those 7 a.m. Sunday morning skates. And I probably didn't give it my best. And my dad would be like, I'm not taking you to hockey if you're not going to try. Yeah. That was like as hard as the parenting got. But it wasn't like analyzing my turns and what was going on. And I think when I got to high school and I started to see play more competitive sports with people with parents like that, it was such, um, I got really grateful 
for like how I was brought up in it because it was like, oh man, my dad doesn't give a shit if I didn't score a goal. You know, he's not worried about that. He's just worried about the fulfillment of it all. Yeah, that's a good point. My father would always say like, all right, you got to hustle, you got to hustle. So I think yeah. that, that was bringing back the Earl Woods um, story. He, the good thing about him, he was probably a little psycho, but he was really focused on the mental game with Ty. Mm. And he, he didn't really go into the technical aspects. He would oh, go, okay. he would get, he would have Tiger get instruction from coaches. Mm. Um, and so he's, he was developing his swing with them. But at the same time, his dad was being, uh, his dad, his dad was in the Marines. So his dad was really into that, you know, discipline focus. Um, you know, so that's, he instilled that in Tiger. And oh, so that's, that's that really, I didn't know that. That's yeah, so that would be a good lesson to parents. Like, if you're going to support your kid and you are trying to get them, you know, genuinely trying to help them do well, right? Now, you can give them real feedback and help on just the mental side of whatever they're doing, like our, our, our fathers did. Yeah. But when it comes to like the technical aspects, don't even go there. Right. Because you don't know anything. Right. Don't go read a golf book and then think, okay, now I'm going to teach my son this book. It's so true. And it's, and it's good to show people. Um, my favorite leaders are the ones that give you the answer, I don't know. It's like, well, at least you're honest. You know, it's like, yeah. like I'd rather ask someone a question than like, I don't know that. But you're going to have to go seek this person out as opposed to, I'll wing it. Right. Yeah, you get that bad info. So that's, uh, that's really cool. Do you feel like, do you feel like, the way in which, you know, your parents taught you the hustle game, but they didn't really, you know, they weren't like, man, I'm expecting Adam to be, you know, you know, world in the world rankings, right? Do you think that helped you make the transition and make that easier transition? Be like, man, I'm liking, I'm liking uh, the teaching aspect. Let me go pursue this now. Did it, did that, did that help what you think in that situation? Cause, cause I feel like when you said it, you were like, I'm having fun. And the thing you said was like, I'm also, you were getting joy in seeing others improve. Yeah. Right. Which I think is like a interesting concept because there's so many people that tell you that the meaning of life or whatever the hell you're going after is like serving others. And you kind of pivoted gracefully to, to, to really helping others and seeing their success. So not yeah. always easy though. No, no, not easy. I, my parents had the same mindset as, I had, you know, they, they were behind me, uh, where I was just going all in with playing professional golf and I was going to give a hundred percent into it, but if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. Mm. And so I had that attitude. They had that attitude. They weren't like saying you have to make it. Right. So right. once I didn't make it, I, I was, and then they had the support of, of me trying to become a teacher. So they, they pivoted with me. Um, which helped, you know, you want to have somebody's blessing. And <clears throat> so I pivoted and, and I just put all that energy into teaching. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it became that it was an easy transition because of that, but also I'm not transitioning into a whole nother job or a whole nother industry. Just a couple of clicks to the right or left. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, I would say the biggest difference is when you played on tour, it was like the most um, isolating experience because when you play in the mini tours, there's no fans, right? Nobody's watching you. 
the players that you play with don't even talk to you. So you're just by yourself trying to grind out good scores. And are you, do you have a caddy or is it just you on the back? When I was playing, it was, it was just me and you would take carts. And I was playing in Florida, South Florida in the middle of the summer. Right. That was another wake up call, which is <laughs> insane. I would play in college during the um, fall, winter, spring. And then when I turned pro, it was like middle of the summer. Yeah. And because that's when courses were closed and that's when the tours could go out and play. So that was awful. And, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, once, once you get home from a tournament, then you go to the range and you practice by yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, this is cool, but no, it's, it's not really that cool. Like yeah. most people think. So when I got into teaching, it was like, you're with somebody, you're talking, you're, you're helping them. They're feeling good about getting better. And I was like, ah, oh, this is yeah. a little different. Sounds like a really valuable experience, but it helped you learn what you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. why did you, why did you, um, I know at one point, I think it was with uh, Jim McLean's golf school, you ended up at Liberty National, right? Yeah. Which is a, for those who don't know, I've never played it. Obviously, you have, but it's a beautiful course that overlooks the New York City skyline, including the Statue of Liberty is in the background. So pretty, from the outside perspective, it looked like a sweet gig you had. And I'm sure at a course like that, you're probably making decent, I don't know, but I'm guessing decent money um, from people uh, hiring you as a teaching pro. Talk about the decision to be like, nope, it's time to move back up a little further north, and I'm going to just now grind it out and hustle. And, yeah. I took, you know, I'm guessing, Adam, you're working, you got to be working seven days a week. I mean, if not six days a week, six days a week, if not seven. And then, I, you know, I've, I've been to your facility. It's it's open pretty early and it closes pretty late. So you, yeah. your, your life had to dramatically change with that hustle. Yeah, for sure. So I was at Liberty for five seasons and the experience was unbelievable. The facilities were as good as it gets around yeah. the world. World class. Yeah. So I developed good relationships with the members. I was teaching people who were not members. I had a great client base. Um, so people ask me, like, why would you make a switch like that? Well, one reason was I always like to try. I always wanted to challenge myself. Like, I always enjoyed moving on, doing different things. I, you know, after five years, it's like you got the same people that you're teaching. Yeah. Um, okay. You're you're doing the same things at a golf course. You you don't it doesn't you don't quite get the stimulation I guess from from doing the same thing over and over again. Um, but you know, don't get me wrong. I was still having an amazing experience at Liberty. But then the other the other um, the other thing was that I. I've always had the idea of opening up my own golf school, okay, golf facility. So that was always in the back of my mind. And I knew I could be successful at that because I was being su successful as a teacher and I was building my brand as a teacher. And I, you know, the natural progression is go do something on your own. Right. Um, and then I'll also say that when you work at a golf club, you're in their, like you're in their play box, you know, you're, you're part you, of their ecosystem. You're part of their ecosystem, so you're restricted in many ways. So yeah. I had all these ideas, like I wanted to do these different programs and different things with the people that I would teach, uh, but they would always, you know, not allow me to do certain things. 
And plus, after five years, you know, I don't think they were going to give me quite the the contract or compensation level that I think I deserve. So it was like all these things together, together where I was like, all right, I'm going to make a change. Um, Plus I was planning on it prior to leaving just in case like, okay, this didn't work out. I have something to do. It wasn't like I had to figure it out right away, but um, yeah, it was, it was time. And I, I don't think golf pros should stay at a club for 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. a little different. Like you can have a nice job, but you're, you're in the corporate world, but you're always climbing, right? Right. You're always kind of looking to do so something. It changes. Like I've been at the same company for 10 years and very rarely have I been doing the same activity for more than six months to a year. Right. Right. Yeah. So imagine teaching the same person. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, I still work with the same, like all the time, but the same like group of people for five yeah. years, you're not changing, you're not doing anything different. Um, so it's just, you're, it's time to move on and do something else. Yeah. So as golf pros, I always think you got to kind of, you got to stay where you are for a while, but then you got to move on and do something else just like people do in, in the real world. Yes. So do, um, can you give us a, an example or any stories to share of stuff you, you wanted to do that you weren't able to do? Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, there's like little things like doing golf schools where you have multiple people coming to the facility, teaching like group lessons. Um, I couldn't do that. I couldn't bring people from the, I could teach people from the outside, uh, like non-members of the facility, which was great. I couldn't, I couldn't advertise though. I couldn't, couldn't reach out wow. to people and build the, the base that I wanted. Right. Um, but Instagram actually helped me a ton. I bet. I was doing a lot of tips. I and bet. The social piece is huge. The social was was ridiculous. Oh, and no, did I lose you? You still there? You still there, Mark? Yo. Sorry, man. I don't know. No worries. I don't know what happened there, but we're back. Okay, sweet. Um, that I can imagine social media has... Uh, has been huge. Oh my gosh. So when I started, I was just giving tips and it was actually my way of trying to advertise. And, but actually it was the reason I started giving tips was it was fun. Yeah. I'd love to give tips and just see what people would think. And then you get all these comments and then all these like additional followers. And it was like, Oh man, this is really cool. Plus people want that quick tip. You know, you yeah. can go to YouTube and I, I was actually somebody who would go to YouTube as I'm an early instructor. I would want to watch other people give tips. But if it was like a five minute long video, I would always fast forward it to like when the guy is actually giving the instruction. Same. Same. <laughs> Jump exactly. through the BS. I, 
So, so yeah, I mean, I was giving tips and I would, back then it, it was 15 seconds long on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, now, yeah, right. Oh my God, that's right. So I would have to do the tip like within 15 seconds and then. Great practice. It was, it was actually really good practice. So I'd just be like in the drill, doing the drill and then explaining it in the description and people just loved it. And I was one of the earliest instructors that got into it. So I was getting tons of followers. Now it's saturated. You know, you have hundreds, if not thousands of teachers on Instagram, but I was right. one of the first. So I was lucky, lucky to build that, that following back then, but I didn't know at the time how amazing that would be for opening the business now. That is, that is awesome. So you've, so now you've launched the business. How long has uh, the business been open? And explain the business. I mean, feel free. Give it a plug, man. Hey, what a rip. So we've been open since April 15th, 2018. Okay. Uh, I'll never forget opening. Well, I got to say the build out of the facility was just ridiculous. It was insane because you have these golf simulators. And if people don't know, the golf, putting together a golf simulator, there's so many different components. Like you have the netting, you have the screens, you have the flooring, you got to choose turf, you got the computers, you got cameras, you got technology, you got the sizing, the spacing, you know, dimensions have to be perfect, the lighting, projectors, all these crazy things. So the build out was, took a long time. Um, but anyway, the facility is all about like three main things it's it's golf lessons so you're you're improving with golf lessons um you have a place to practice so and improve mm -hmm. on your own so you can come and you can rent these simulators and you can use the feedback to um to get better and i always help people in a lesson and t show them what feedback they need to look at when they come in and practice on their own so they can use it in that sense and then there's the club fitting you know mm -hmm getting the right equipment for your game so people can come they work with a fitter they get the right clubs um so we provide that service as well yeah with that, I, and i uh i did testimonial as a guy who did the club fitting thing that was a uh it was a fun experience and educational but um definitely changes the confidence level when you actually go and play because you know the clubs are, are sized for you yeah yeah no doubt yeah so that was uh that was cool. I dropped. I you uh, you helped me. I, I always give a nod to you, Adam. I dropped. I dropped from like a nine three to a five six last year, and I was like, new clubs. It's all the clubs. <laughs> it's all the clubs. It's all the clubs. Yeah, and you have clubs that are fit. It like you said, it gives you confidence. Yes. You're standing over the ball, you're like, all right, these. <laughs> this is the club I should be hitting. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. And it's it will actually help the performance. I mean, clubs are. Clubs do help, but it's not like the the full like answer to a game, right? You're not yeah. gonna it's not gonna solve your problems. Um, when you buy a Ferrari and still suck at driving, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's a yeah, uh, it's a, it's it's a uh, it's just one piece of it, but it's a it's a really cool facility too. And you and you've had to morph now through this pandemic to now you're doing what online lessons? Yeah, yeah. How's that been? Uh, that's been pretty good. Um, so Instagram has been huge for me to get the, uh, for people to find me and, and take online lessons. I use this platform called Skillist, which is a cool app 
And it makes it easy for people to find me as a coach, upload their swings. I do an analysis. Uh, I, I film myself giving them tips. I can stay connected with them. You know, I, I'm doing this in my backyard and it's, it's amazing. Like how lucky am I to keep doing what I do at work uh, at home? So, it, you know, I'm still getting some money into the, to the business, which is huge. I still get to do what I love to do. So yeah, I just feel lucky that I'm able to do that. Do you find your reach is changing, right? Cause pure drive, um, operates in the greater Boston area. So you got kind of a, you got some geographic, um, limitations, so to speak. Do you think that I'm guessing your reach now is further? And I guess I'd follow that up. Is like, do you think you'll keep doing this even when we return to life as normal? Yeah, I actually did online lessons like a few years ago, but then I became so busy. At right. I just didn't have time. You know, you come home after a long day of lessons yeah. family and it's like, when can I do this? But I will probably do it uh, when I come back to work. Cause I think I'll probably have smaller, like I won't have as many lessons. I think when I go back to work, I think some people are going to be a little hesitant on doing a lot of things. Yeah. The situation we are in. Maybe right. not, but <clears throat> I'm going to continue to do lessons online and <clears throat> I'm able to connect with a lot more people. I mean, I was just giving lessons to some guy in the UK and, mm. you know, so how would I ever be able to do that if it wasn't because of an online lesson? Right. Right. That's, what, that's, uh, that's awesome. It's, it's, it, we're so fortunate to live in times where honestly, even where, We've been quarantined at our homes and we can still kind of do this thing, you know, like I'm uh, I'm totally with you. We're, we're pretty fortunate that that can be part of the plan. It's interesting to see how it will evolve. Like, do you have do you have a master plan or I, I don't even want to call it that, but do you have um, different grandiose ideas of what per per pure drive golf will become? Or are you just playing it by ear and, and taking it all day by day? Yeah, that's a good question. My original thought was having another facility or multiple facilities where you model the same thing. Um, and that was the idea. Now the idea is, can I do something where I get indoor and outdoor? Because um, yeah. right now is just pur purely indoors. But if we did have a facility where people could uh, go outside and practice on the range, yeah. We also have the indoor training facility where during the winter we go indoors. Mm. So having that um, would be amazing. Now there's a lot more, um, you know, hurdles to get through to have that. Right. You, you either have to lease the land or you have to partner with a golf course or a driving range mm. or you've got to buy some land or do something you know, with land and, and build a building. And it's, so there's a lot more things involved to get that going, which, you know, that's the ultimate goal. So if I had vision down the road, that would be the ultimate goal. But in the meantime, you know, I think it would be another facility modeling the same thing that I'm doing now and recruiting some other teachers who train under me and I'm already doing this. So they know my philosophy and they are, you know, within the pure drive brand and they're teaching at either at my facility or the new facility. And, you know, we're still offering all the same services doing mm. the same exact thing. And I think we could do that. You know, we already have a good brand. 
um, good reputation where we're at. I don't think there's a lot of facilities. I don't, I don't think there's any facilities uh, doing exactly what we're doing, especially in the Boston area. Right, especially. But I was going to ask you: Do you think your other facility would be in the Boston area again, or would you would you completely leave the geo? I don't think I'd leave Boston area because if I tried to do that, like the reason I say that is because I I need to be there because yes. right now, like I'm the teacher, I'm the guy. People come because of me. So if I tried to open one in Florida, I don't know if I would do that because it's warm in Florida all the time. So right, Chicago, let's say. Like people would be like, all right, what's up with Pure Drive Golf? What do they right. have? They have TrackMan simulators. They have a place to practice. Okay, and they have this tra- uh, teacher who we don't really know about. Somebody else could do the same thing right down the street. Mm-hmm. And then a, a teacher who's well-known in the area could potentially put my business out of business. Right. It's like, so where I'm at now, you can't, you can't replicate me. If you know what I'm saying, you yes. create yeah. another Adam. So I'm the brand right now, but my goal would be to train, to continue to build the brand, train teachers under me so that they are learning the same philosophy. And then we got to go from there and we try to grow it so that people will recognize that pure drive golf is a very trustworthy and um, it's a place where you can go and get expert golf instruction. And so it mm-hmm. takes a while to build up that, that reputation. So that's what it's, I'm- it's wild to hear you talk about, um, you know, running that business and you've got the same challenges. Uh, it's right, funny through my, through what I, in my own career, um, there were times when I thought about leaving Davis and it was for all the wrong reasons. It was like, you know, I've just been doing this for a while at the same place. Maybe I should do it somewhere else. And, you know, sought out some mentorship. This was years ago. And they were like, Mark, once you leave the individual contributor world and you're in leadership, your problems are always people. Um, it's always people, product, and, uh, and, oh man, the other one's escaping me now. But you always have the same problems. If you were selling pencils, you were selling a golf experience or I'm selling the staffing services that we sell, the challenges are similar. So I, you know, when I heard you speaking, it was like, continue building the brand. You clearly are looking for uh, number twos and threes under you to help execute your mission. It's all the same. It's all the same quandaries that we all kind of deal with no matter what our business is. It's uh, it's funny how we're all in the same fight. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think you're, no matter what industry you're in, you have, similar problems, similar problems you're trying to solve. Uh, People would think like, oh, the golf business is totally different. Well, yeah, it's, it's totally, there are certain things it's totally different, but you're, there's very similar things that we're doing, you know, compared to what you're doing at your, at your company or any other company. It's wild. Adam, um, dude, thanks so much for coming on. I think that's a great place to wrap it. How can people, get in touch with you, find you, find Pure Drive Golf. I mean, even sharing your Instagram, I think you get some people would be interested in following. Yeah, so puredrivegolf.com. You can go there, check out the facility online. You can contact us. Uh, you can learn more about what we offer on that website. You can uh, follow me on Instagram. That It's akoloff, so A-K-O-L-L-O-F-F. 
I'm always posting tips. Um, you can check out my son, James. Yeah, check out your son's swing. Um, yeah, so check those out. You can you can find me and you can reach out, um, you know, through those channels. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. I'd love to uh, maybe pick this back up in, in a little while. I'd love to hear about how the journey's going with maybe some of the next facility or the indoor-outdoor thing and uh, and also the subject of just you recruiting other teachers. I think that's the, there's a lot of interesting nuggets in there. And uh, But appreciate you sharing your journey. I think there's certainly people who are in high school or in college um, or maybe hopefully even some parents of kids that can listen to this and, uh, and yeah. sharpen their focus of, of, of what their role is in it all. So yeah. Uh, well, have the conversation, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fun to be on um, the show podcast uh, with you. So we'll definitely do it again. Awesome. Hey, thanks again, Adam. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. Yeah. Thanks. Baby.